0: I tried and refrain from uh, giving my message a topic, and the language that I'm going to use is gonna be a confused one. So here and there there'll be a bit of Zulu, a bit of Sutu, and but we'll, I'll try and make sure that we can all understand each other. But I want to talk about the church that Jesus died for, <laughs> you know, and and I I almost want us to have an engagement of some sort, you know, and sort of like think things through and reason together you know as opposed to me coming and dishing out uh, you know uh, the laws but I've observed and I, I have realized that as people we are very critical you know of churches and their leaders you know um, we, 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 we seem to have this idea that a church exists in a vacuum that Uh, We we seem to be completely oblivious about the fact that without people, there is no church. You know, for some reason, to us church, it's, it's this thing that exists somewhere. It's not us. You know, and I believe that without the people, there is no church. If you take out the people inside this building, you don't remain with a church. You remain with a building. That is used for church purposes. There's a difference. Now often we look at the structures, the buildings, the uniforms, or the leg thereof, um, you know, the musical worship, the organization structures, and so forth. You know, to form an opinion or a perception of the church, sometimes even to decide if we want to belong to a particular church. You know, I'm yet to meet a person who would say, I went into that church, I looked at the people, and I think I like what I see. Most of the times, you'll find people who would have looked at the structure and say, at least they don't look like that church. You know, so there must be, this is what I can expect. This is what I can come to expect, you know, when I walk into that church. But one thing that I find to be very interesting, none of the things that I have mentioned have anything to do with how we identify the church that Jesus died for, at least as far as the scripture are concerned. So, what happens most of the times is we go out of our way, you know, the leaders go out of their way to try and find a name, you know, for a church that will suggest that there is some form of meaning, you know, to life for the members of that church, that will suggest that there is something of God's presence, you know, in that church. And so you'd find that most churches are named in such a way that you get an impression what to expect inside. You know, so as a result, we get some very interesting names. You know, I've seen names. We once went to a funeral. I think it was uh, Tapelos Angel. Some way calling Pope. You remember the incident, you know. We saw the name of the church. I promise you that was a sentence. You know, it, it was like the evangelistic, apostolic, burning bush church of Christ in Nazareth, assemblies of God in Zion. <laughs> and I was like, my word. You know, it's, it's almost like if we were to say Cosmos City Church, for example, that wouldn't be enough because people wouldn't know, you know what to expect. But if we try and, and, and name it in such a way that it describes what we are all about. You know, hopefully, people can look at us and say, that's the church that I want to belong to. And so, over and above that, friends, I need you to realize that the truth is, church is one of the most complex, I don't know if I should call it a structure organization or congregation, whatever you want to call it, you can ever possibly find. And the reason I say that, if we look around at different organizations, there's a specific protocol and conduct that is followed. You know, most of the organizations are not confused. As soon as you see the name, you almost know what to expect, you know, in in that uh, uh, rather organization, let's call it. You know, because there's a specific protocol, there's a specific conduct that is expected of such members, you know, of that gatherings. Members are expected to act in a certain way and anything different is not tolerated. The president or whoever is in charge have a final say and very few people rather dare to question him. I know we have got the various situations. Some of us are questioning our president, Jacob Zuma, and all those sorts of things. But let's pack that for now. The point is, you can never go to an EAF meeting wearing an ANC t-shirt. How many of you agree? You go there, you're going to die. You will never dare, as an ANC member, own a beret, so they call it. No matter how fashionable you find it, as long as it's, got, it's, it's red, it's got that EFF badge, if you are an ANC member, clearly it's a no go for you. And I like this one. A Chiefs fan, despite all the things we have had in the past couple of weeks, can never be a pirate supporter, <laughs> regardless of what tournament they are playing. <laughs> and I think in the past weeks, we have seen a couple of hypocrites. And na- Okay, sorry if you, if you feel a bit offended. But, you know, I, I just know this. If the two teams are rivals, I find it very difficult that you could be sitting there and saying, go pirates, you know. I, I promise you, I'll actually scored and you had this Chiefs fan going like Kosi for life. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what does this have to do with Chiefs? You know It's two different teams playing, but the truth is, there are certain things that are entrenched in us that without anyone having to write any rules and give them to us, we almost know how to conduct ourselves as long as we are associated with those types of organizations or groups. Excuse me. And I find that it's these rules and these codes that govern our behavior. They are so entrenched in us that no one has to keep, the, keep on hashing on them, you know, for us to know exactly how we need to conduct ourselves. A doctor preacher that I admire a lot uh, gave this example. We're going to read scriptures now, don't worry. You know, gave this example. He said, I know a church where every day and night people don't mind to attend, A church where the members stay on until they are chased out. I know a church where people don't mind spending the last penny they have. The members of this church are never invited to meetings, but they always come. The members of this church are so much for each other, or they love each other so much and care for each other so much, that everyone who attends will get their daily share. A church where members take pleasure in inviting others to attend. Yeah. This church is loved by people of all ages and genders. So much though, so that some have to, to be turned away at times. Because it gets packed, it gets so full sometimes that you cannot accommodate people inside. The music in this church is always on point. They never, they never had a birthday. <laughs> you know? It never happens when you say, I know worship was not on today. You know, the music is always on point. They don't need a pastor. And I've used this way that I've borrowed it. Allow me to use it as I've, I've borrowed it. They don't need a pastor to perform or musicians to, to play well, you know, for them to stay. Members of this church attend even when they are not quite in a good mood or things are not going okay. The members of this church prefer to run there, particularly when things are not okay, because for some reason, there's always a member who is willing to listen and give advice. And I've said that if I could, I would be a member of this church. And he concluded that this church is called the Shebin. And if you know members of the Shabin, you will know that everything that I've said about that church is true. Those guys have got no Sunday, no Saturday, no Monday. And they don't need to be motivated to go to a meeting. They will go. And actually, they take pleasure in inviting each other to go to the meeting. When we read in the, book, <laughs> in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, turn there with me, we are reading from verse 12. And I think Dombo spoke about, uh, or rather read through this scripture two or three weeks back. Verse 12 reads, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles slave or free and we were all given one spirit to drink even so the body is not made up of one part but of many friends i want us to realize this thing that if you happen to be walking on the street at night And find the leg lying on the street. Do you agree with me that you did not find a body lying on the street? You found a leg lying on the street. How many of us will come back and say, yo, I saw a dead body today? If you said that, we would assume that something is not okay in your head. Because what you saw is a member of a body. Not the body. So I want us to realize that we are all part of one body being the church. Our coming together births this thing that we call a church. It's not the building, it's not the uniform, it's not the sermons, it's not the songs, it's not anything else that we look at. But it's me and you. So what I'm getting at, I need you to come to a realization that when we say that church is like that, in an essence we are saying the people of that church are like this. Because it's very easy to look at a church and say, because we're talking about a group of people together. But when you break that group of people apart, you're actually talking about individuals. And so sometimes I ask myself, Runa, what do we think of our church? Even better, what do we think of that other church and that other church? And when it comes to us, the perception that we have of our church, do we come to a realization that it's actually the perception about the people or the congregates of this church? In verse 15, it says, Now if the food should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It will not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. I don't know if you get that. So it says, if 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 a leg was to decide, or oh no, uh, comrade, I think from today I'll do my own thing. That wouldn't necessarily mean that it's not part of the body. And I hope you have started thinking. And if the ear should say. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And friends, I want, to, I want to say this. Sometimes when there are certain parts of the body that we look at and we don't like what we see, we are very quick to say, that is not part of my body. It <sighs> baffles me. It's like when you have a bad eye and you decide to say, well, because the rest of the body is good, this eye does not belong to this body anymore. There's a, there's a people of a certain country that I will not mention. When a son or a child does not behave, they disown him. And we have all watched those movies. You know, that you are not my son anymore. I disown you. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, How can you possibly disown your son? It doesn't matter what you say. The fact remains, this is your son. Whether you acknowledge it, you don't acknowledge it. The son is yours. Friends, we need to realize that there would be no church without all the parts coming together. But here's the the difficult part. What we do with those members of the body that are cancerous is what informs the world of the kind of a church we are. So when people look at us and they see those members in the body that lacks honor, they then look around at the rest of the body and say, what are they doing about it? And what they observe in that situation is going to inform them what kind of a church we are. It's getting difficult, isn't it? We cannot disassociate ourselves from the impression that we have formed of what the church is today. What the world thinks of the church today is because of me and you we led them to think of the church in that way. The fact that we are not the ones with cancer does not change the the fact that we are cancerous. Here's a question. If you were to go to a doctor and then he runs all sorts of tests, I don't know what kind of tests they run, I'm very ignorant when it comes to the medical side of things, so they run a proper test on you and they find that your arm has got cancer. I don't know if it's possible for an arm only to have cancer. So excuse my ignorance again. So they find that your arm has got cancer. How many of us will come back and say, "Esh, my arm has cancer. Most of us will come back and say what? I have cancer. But why is it that in the church, it's very easy for us to dismember people and say, he's got cancer, I'm fine. If the church is seen to be the body of Christ, complete, our coming together, builds that body. How come when one of us is cancerous, it's easy for us to say, you see, the rest of us are okay. It's just my arm that is a problem, it has got cancer. And someone has said that the church is one of the organizations that you can find, or an army, so they said, you know, where there is no hospital for the injured. It's like, you know, there are certain things that take precedence before Christ being the center of our coming together. That informs our relationships. That informs, you know, the people that we get close to, the people that we pray for, the people that we mingle with, the people that we befriend, the people that we help when they are in difficult situations. And I think that notion has actually led, and I've come across such people who will tell you straight that I would rather die and burn in hell. Don't ask me to go to church. Because the church, remember, I have said the church is what? The people. So when I say the church, don't be standing aside and saying the church. You must say, because I failed to meet their needs. In the book of John, chapter 15, from verse 12, it reads as follows. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has, and I, I enjoy this. In verse 12, he says, "My command is this." It doesn't; it's not a suggestion, it's not a proposal, it's not a, is it a manifesto? It's not. You know, it's 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 a command. He says, "My command is this: love each other as I have loved you." In verse 13, he describes. He breaks it down and he explains to us how we should be loving each other. He says, "Greater love has no one than this." to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. As if he did not say it again. I mean before. This is my command. Love each other. John 13 verse 34 says, Love one another as I have loved you. By this, the world will know that you are mine. It's almost like he's saying that by this, you will be able to tell that is a church. That's not a church. That is a church. That is a church, that is not a church. Because when you see love being manifested amongst them, you will know they are mine. And I find something very interesting. When Jesus was arrested and his disciples started, you know, backing away, Peter was confronted about three times. We know the scripture. He had so much Christ entrenched in him that he could not disguise this even when he tried. He identified with his master so much that people could see and I borrowed this word that is a freedom fighter. On purpose. If it flew over your head, it's okay. (laughs) Now the question is, who do we identify with today? When people look at the church, what do they see? Let's rephrase. When people look at you, what do they see? Who is the person sitting next to you? And I'm not talking about his name (laughs) or her name. Do you smell so much of Christ in that person? So much of his life that Christ himself is manifested in them. When Christ came and he walked amongst people, People could see God through him. And that's why he had that little bit of a, I don't know if I should call it a fight, with uh, Philip, I believe it was, who says, man, how do you talk about a father if you haven't shown us him? And he says, how, Philip? Comrade, we've been together for so long. You're still asking me questions like that. And actually you take the same analogy and you say because through our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit people should be seeing Jesus, should be seeing God through us. Can we ask the same question that Jesus asked to say how can you ask me where is God when you have been with me for so long? Because through us the character of Christ should be shown or should be seen by the world. When people look at us, they shouldn't be able to say, they should be able to see who? Christ in us. And so I I still ask the question that when people look at us, who do they see? What do people think of our church? This one. And what do people think of the Church of Christ? And How many of you read blogs just for fun? Like you go and say, people who hate church on Google and say, enter. I know Fana does it. We we love doing that every now and then. Or you just say, you can take anything. You know, you'll be very surprised. If you went to Google, don't go now. (laughs) If you went to Google and you said, no, I don't mean you leaving. I mean... (laughs) I meant the people going into Google. <laughs> if you went into Google now and you said, people who hate Cosmo City Church. You know, you could be very surprised. to be I haven't tried it, by the way. So don't, so don't be nervous. But I might try it after today. You'll be amazed by the type of stuff that you pick up. You know, people will tell you that church today is the worst possible place you can be in. And every time I see that statement, I ask myself, what is this church that they are talking about? Because I understand church is not this building. So I rephrase the statement in my head that says Christians today are the worst possible people you can ever find. Because there's no church without people. Are we loving and caring for each other so much that we identify with Christ? Does it bother us when our hand is cancerous? And I'll keep on asking this question. And I've learned that today church can hurt you worse than people who are unsaved. The brood of vipers that Christ was talking about in Pharisees are sometimes found within the confinement of a church. I have come across people who have declared I will never go to church again. In verse 21 1st Corinthians 12 where we're reading the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, uh, rather to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And I want you to be thinking about this as we read it. Don't just read through it. Okay? While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I've heard a statement that is used a lot by people who are marching for whatever reason, And actually, Ms in West Caesar used to abuse it and say, "Injure one, injure all." When it actually meant injury to one is an injury to all. Because, friends, when my foot is hurt, The rest of my body cannot say we are not in pain. It's not possible. When any member of my body is hurt, my whole body is in pain. The pain may be emulating from my foot, but when I talk to you, I would say I'm in pain. I may go further and explain that it's my foot that is a problem, it's my arm, it's my... and, and so forth. But the whole body is in pain. But these days in churches, we... We have what I have tamed to be clicks. And this is a difficult one. And sometimes people are offended and hurt by it so much that they live the life of the church. And the sad part is when they do live the life of the church, we are very quick to accuse them of having lost their way. We are very quick to say, no, watch that guy's life you know, I give him two months, two years, whatever the case may be, you know, he would have backslided. And sometimes we are proven to be right. And I don't know when we are right if we are happy about the outcome. I'm not talking about preacher that's going to Cape Town to work. And when they do, like I said, we, it's very easy to do, to, to do that, criticize them. When we are the ones who actually felt no connection with them, because they were not members and I'm being a little bit too harsh here. They were not members of a million dollar group. You know, where people driving German cars meet together and talk about the latest models that are going to come out. And uh, like I said, I'm aware I'm being a little bit too hard, but I'm trying to, to make sure that we are all on the same page. Because they did not meet the criteria of uh, the suburban bliss. Where people you know, discuss matters of security and tranquility. You know, and discuss the issues with DSTV and how it often disconnects them. And we have called them so many times, they are so incompetent. You know, where people discuss matters of power outages that the people who don't have electricity can relate to. Where people discuss issues like your ADT and all sorts of securities that we know about and how quick they respond when the alarm goes off. Where people discuss false alarms, something that if you did not have a house, you wouldn't know nothing or anything about. But hang on, some of them, they leave because some of us stayed away from them because they were not members of our pity party group. Where the po- poverty-stricken people meet to lick each other's wounds. You know, that group that every time you ask, how are you, there is a problem. They are never saying to you, I'm good, thank you, by the grace of God. How are you? I'm not saying you should talk like that. You're going to seem very funny to most people. But it seems these people, they always have an issue. You never say to them, how are you doing? And they just say they are okay. Every time you ask, how are you? The first statement is, Esh. you know, we very difficult. And I'm not saying life is not hard, friends. But I'm saying sometimes it's easy for us to feel more connected to the people that we have something in common with. So if we suffer together, it makes it very easy, you know, for us to, to relate and be together. But even worse, some of them did not meet our standards of holiness. And don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Those people that we come close to and we say, You know, there's something about that guy. How many of us have rootling Moying before? And if you have to be honest, I have. You know, there's this thing, I can't put a finger on it. But I don't like this guy. You know, although we may be going to Cape Town together, we might not see each other. Because there's this thing, I can't explain it. But he can not be the member of my body. And so it renders the body of Christ dysfunctional. And so people look at us and they say, I can be part of UDM. I was trying to think of another political part. I can be, and no offense to the UDM members, I can be part of UDM, but I can't, don't ask me to be part of this thing called the church. The Bible says that we drank from the same cup. I don't know if you understand what that means. Have you ever seen guys drinking alcohol? Sitting in a circle. Drinking I like it when Christians pretend they don't know these things. Ngutu. Your black label or a castle. You know, that, that big one. They're sitting in a circle. It's about maybe five or six guys. And you look at them. The other one, you actually doubt if he has actually seen water in the past couple of days. How do those guys drink? Yes, the reality, friends. And I I know those of you who are friends, you you do this. Those of you who are um, in a relationship, you don't have a problem doing that. You know, there is no way you can drink from that bottle and not backwash. No, get reality. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm not trying to to, to, to speak badly about people. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you the intimacy we're talking about. There is no way you're going to drink because you lift it up again. And then you drop it down. What happens? Everything that went up, some of it that was in the mouth is going to go back inside. And these guys, they don't mind to pass it around. You know? And you'll never, very seldom you see one going like that. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, you'll agree with me. So, let's take that same analogy. It says we drank from the same cup. Do you understand how close we have to be? Me and you, and all of us here. I pray that Christ may take precedence over anything And any other thing else in our lives. That when we say we are members of the same body, we can say it really meaning it. In verse 27 of the same passage, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of of tongues. And then the question is asked, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The one thing that pains me the most about the churches we see today is that a church has become some form of a social gathering. I'm tempted to tell you this story. I hope no one will know what I'm talking about but my wife and maybe my siblings if they are here. So I'll try and, 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 and tell it in such a way that you don't pick up what the story is. It happened when this child uh, attended here. And I, guys, I know these things that I'm talking about can very easily lead you to condemnation. But let's do this. We'll clear the condemnation later. Is that okay? This child came to the life of the church, she she fellowshiped with us, or he fellowshiped with us, and left after church naturally. But a week, I think, following that, or in the same week, there was a a very shocking incident. We we all know this manifestation in terms of your devil worshipping and your demons and all sorts of, whatever you want to call it. But there was an incident that involved an element of that. And the child who manifested this thing, guess where she was? Here. She fellowshiped with us and left. And when this thing happened, one of the questions that she said she was asked by whoever was, what were you doing at church? But let me tell you what pained me to the point of tears. Is that she came... I probably had contact with her and she left the same way. It took me a couple of weeks to actually recover from that. Because the question that it posed to me is what kind of a church am I? Forget about you. If you're okay, that's fine. I'm I'm telling you what I went through when I picked that up. I ask myself, what kind of a Christian are you? That people who are oppressed by the powers of darkness will come into your presence and leave. You haven't picked up anything. They haven't been set free. Nothing about you being there and the presence of God being there stirred up something. Something. That will give you a hint here or something is not right here. You sat with this person next to you. They left the same way they came. What kind of a Christian are you? Sky, I think we, we're having a very good discussions, you know, about them. Because I'm really, you know, I'm on this drive and I've been talking to a few people who are close to me. And I've been saying to them, one of my biggest hunger at the moment is the true realization. I'm not talking imaginary things, I'm not talking senses. I'm not talking I feel like I'm talking the realistic experience of God's presence in my life. You know, Not yet not, Auri, I know you might feel him. I know you don't feel him. I'm talking the, the realistic experience of God in my life, that if I come across a person like the one I gave an example, I should be able to tell or something is not right. And whether God wants me to deal with that situation or not, that's a different story. My biggest worry was that I did not pick up anything. That was very difficult for me. And I pray that, you know, God can help us to find our way back you know, that our coming together may not just be something that we tick on a Sunday, that it happened, I went to church, that it might have a deeper meaning than that. It's, friends, it's not okay when people in a mist get their houses repossessed. Do you understand what I'm saying? When people in a... Do you know how difficult it is to watch your child suffer? How many of us have kids I think you will understand poverty very well. And I'm not saying I'm poor. Maybe I don't understand it very well myself. But I want to argue this, that you will understand how difficult it is to be broke when you have got no penny in your pocket and your child says, Daddy, can I please have juice? For the first time, it's going to hit you in a place that you never knew it existed in you. Because all of a sudden you realize how you look at them and they look at you and you can tell this, I'm this person's only hope. If I say no juice, there is no juice. But what happens in our midst? We've got here and I'm not talking about something that is here. We've got people who lose jobs get to a situation where their house Almost gets repossessed or gets repossessed. Get to a situation where the car is taken away. And the rest of us, we are happy to meet them and say, Hey, how is it going? My man, how is the beach, Cape Town, eh? the weather, how is it? You know, and we wouldn't be bothered if they have something to eat after church today. And guys, the reason why I'm doing, I want you to realize what kind of Christians we have become. And in turn realize what kind of a church have we given to the world, if you want to put it that way. And so the world looks at us and they say, they say their commandment is to love one another. But I have seen more hungry people in the life of the church than I do in a Shebin because we share good. Here, we don't. No one goes to the Shebin and walks out without having had something. I promise you, it never happens. A guy will go there with no scent, but when he leaves, three or four people would have said, I mean, you know, I'm You know, and to the last drop. And then tla no ra, no ra, no iri, ba, next time, and I, I have observed those people. And don't ask me why, because I, I might give you the answer. I have observed those people and, and I've, they do this. I promise you they do this. If a guy doesn't have anything and he doesn't have anything to drink. They will say to you, "No I'm You'll be fine." You know, amalangaka fani mfethu. They, they they have this thing of encouraging each other. Agafan, you know, today he <laughs> You know, so who knows maybe lang you have something. Do we do that in the life of the church? So, tell me something. If you were not saved and you were not part of this church, why would you want to be here? If you know, if you go to that church, been. Those guys will show better care for you. They'll be more interested in you than here. Because I tell you, you know what's going to happen after this service? We all, I don't have my car keys. We're all going to take our car keys, those of us who have cars, whoop, whoop, get in the car. And most of us, when you, if you stay that side, most of us, when we get to the gate, we indicate which side. It's Sunday today, I guess. And most of us didn't have time to cook. Again, we are here in this service. So we're going to indicate to the right. Of course. But of course alone. That's why we're going to be the first ones to leave the church. In Matthew 25, 34 to 40, I want to go sit down. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, mine say hungered, because it's King James, and I think it's that old one. And ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the Russias answer him, saying, Lord, <laughs> and I want you to take note of that. Who is answering? The Russians. Saying, Lord, when so with thee hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink, when so with thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee, or when so we thee seek, or in prison and came unto thee, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Verily I say unto you, in so much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Friends, what you need to realize is, unless God willing, we are never going to see Christ walk through that door and come sit next to us and say, I'm hungry. Do you understand that? We are never going to see him walk through that door and say I am naked. These clothes that you see me wearing every day or rather every Sunday that you have also commented about risona sketesela ki fela sunday in the sunday before then change And then the other Sunday goes back to the same one. Christ is not going to come through that door wearing that skirt so that you can see that he is naked and he needs to be clothed. He says they will know you that you are mine when you love one another.